Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome everyone to episode three of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. I'm sat here in London town. My name's Chris Lawson and I'm joined from Philadelphia in the States by Sam. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris. How are you, sir? Samuel Moni dialing in live and correct. Really excited about this week's episode. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm really good this week and uh, I think we've got a good show lined up. Yeah, I do too. We three and uh, this week we're going to be talking about innovation, trying to define it in a way that's useful. I know Sam gets hot under the collar about the true value of asking questions, so we're going to spend a bit of time on that. He'd be no no doubt getting on his soapbox, although he has promised me it's a um, small soapbox. Um, we also want- uh, no, no, I haven't promised, Chris. No, so that was a, that was a f- fake, fake news, fake news, sir. <laughs> and we also want to fit in some insights on design thinking and how to do that as well. So, so let, let's let's crack on. I think let's, let's get ourselves into it. So, tips, tricks, hacks for faster innovation and transformation. Why? Why did we focus on this as a subject? Well, quite frankly, it's difficult. Um, give me more, give me more ideas, give me solutions, not problems. Uh, the pressure to change, the pressure to innovate is immense. However, innovation and transformation doesn't always have to be about doing something new, but it does need to be a core part of a creative process. Uh, Sometimes that is about a pressurized environment. Sometimes that is about giving the space to breathe and take in the environment to help creative ideas flow. The challenge is actually defining a strong process that enables that. How many companies have gone under for creating products and services where there is no market for them? Mm -hmm. Um, That's why trying to keep your feet firmly on the ground and not in the blue sky is important. Try to think about a series of questions to ask. Uh, What problem does it solve? What need does it deliver on? What makes us different? What makes us better? Uh, That's a a relatively sort of small question set. It will vary from sort of company to company. But I try to always start off when I'm addressing a a problem or a situation to to have a look at that from an innovation perspective. And and there's a key key one there as well, which I I didn't include, which is, and how will we measure it? And I I think that's a a good challenge, Sam, isn't it, in terms of what is innovation and and how does that link to marketing performance? Yeah, the the measurement one is a a good one to have in mind as you go through this. You know, when I think about innovation and how it links to marketing performance, my definition I like to use, what solution have we created for consumers, for customers or shoppers or communities than the choices that currently exist? A lot of organizations, you know, there's plenty of nonsensical work that isn't really driven by being solution first or powered by uh, a true insight. Many are driven by shiny objects, you know, the fact you can make it without any explanation or explanation of who it's actually for. And a, a great way of thinking about it is wh- what or who or is being fired? You know, what are you getting rid of in order to hire this new thing? The, the, the soul-destroying moments in my life have been this kind of, imagine, you know, the office, whether it's the UK version with David Brent or the US version with Michael Scott, you're sat around a table with someone who's perhaps less than capable, who's doing 
you know, capturing a brain dump of ideas that are really close in, have been rehashed and not grounded in any insight. And it's soul destroying. And after 40 minutes, everyone goes back to their desk wondering why they didn't become, you know, follow their passion and become that veterinarian or, or jockey or whatever the thing that they felt like they wanted to do when they were a kid, because this is soul destroying and, and horrible. And that approach leads to copycats, you know, me too ideas with window dressing. You're often guided by features, not benefits, that aren't really valued by the consumer. The shiny objects, you know, novel technologies or fads, you know, internally ch charged ideas, but often again without insight. So, okay, I'm going to move from ranting to declare what I was about good to declare time. But <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I was on a mini soapbox there. You know, to declare what good, what does good look like? Doing innovation well means it must achieve the audience or the consumer behavior change. And so, for me, a great definition is about the consumer. You know, it's a new offering that resolves a circumstance where they're struggling and fulfills an unmet aspiration, unmet need. Virtually everything that is launched and sustained in the marketplace does so successfully by displacing another product or another behavior. So I come back again to who are you firing and why with your offering, are they going to hire you? Why are they going to spend their time, their money, or their attention on you? That's a key fundamental question that you've got to address when you're designing or developing innovation. Yeah, I like I like that one in one out policy as well, you know, sort of defining defining yourself in terms of in, uh, ensuring that you you need to you need to move on and and I think that that links into striving for something better. That's the important part that we need to focus on in terms of does it actually achieve something better and and like i say that could be as much about increasing the efficiency of process or an existing product as it is about new product it doesn't just have to be coming up with the the new weird or wonderful or the the new facebook or snapchat I also get the need to have a um, framework to work upon i think that's important we we want that fr framework to be not a straitjacket, but guidelines. I think that's the importance of uh, you know distinction there. Quite often, you can look at process, and it just feels very, very bureaucratic, and it saps all the energy and all the creativity out of that. A good process is empowering, and it feels like something that can be built upon rather than something that restricts you. But I also believe it's it's everyone's responsibility. And marketing, once again, is the catalyst. I think that when you look around um, all of the the uh, sort of the, the great innovators, when we look at that, look at them now in terms of like some of the companies that we we feel that are, are doing a great job, it is a cross-functional team that sort of deliver that. It comes with strong leadership as well, but but it's all about a cross-functional team. It's never just purely out of the marketing department. Yeah, you're giving us some some good tidbits there. So you know, give us a bit more on how you see it. What what does innovation really mean to you? Well, I mean. I look at it as that change is the only constant in life. And I thought that quote was attributed to my mum, but I've been reliably told that it was uh, Heraclitus, um, who predates my oh, mum by okay. a couple of thousand years, I think. So, uh, <laughs> okay. But, but We're getting uh, deep here, I think. Yeah, but, uh, but I think as a... As a uh, phrase, I think this really sums it up to me that we, ha we evolve and we must adapt and... If we don't evolve, then you're moving backwards. And, and I think, but that's a fun bit. You know, that's what's exciting to me, but only when it's done right. And I think that's an important aspect of it, which is you want to make sure it's insight-led. 
You want a framework to validate assumptions, a time for brainstorm, a time for clarity, and a time for gut reaction and a time to check that gut reaction with for objectivity as well. And keep coming back to that problem uh, or keep coming back to that, what problem does this solve and why should I care? You know, keep repeating that mantra, you know, what problem does this solve and why should I care? As a mm. customer, mm. I mean, recently I've, I've been sort of helping a, an international environment and scientific organization called CABI work on their product and services roadmap. It's, it's a really interesting organization. It's it's a non for profit. It's international. It's funded by about twenty two governments and and it's dedicated to improving people's lives worldwide by helping solve problems in agriculture and the environment. But they brought me in to, to help them focus and help them shape a new product development process, which would provide a framework for the, the organization to work from. Um, we inter- introduced a program called Trailblaze, uh, which provided that framework. But the really interesting part, the, the key learning out of it for me, uh, once it's implemented, is that I was aiming to to help install a sort of a, a culture where at least 50 or 60% of all of the effort was put into the discovery and the insight phase rather than the actual sort of the ideation and the creation phase. So, so doing that work up front, really being clear what you want to achieve, um, and then building on from there. So, so that that for me was quite an interesting shift in terms of like how much of that was analysis and market driven to get you to the point of innovation. Yeah, I I, I love the idea of being insight driven. Um, you know, we're not going to go super deep into defining insight, but I, I just love the idea of really getting to understand that discovery phase. You know, what do people want? Their desires, their needs, and then why? You know, what are their motivation? What are their beliefs and aspirations? So you can really ad- address any the frustrations that they have or the the tensions or the struggles or the trade-offs that your brand or your proposition or your solution can can resolve and so the insight piece is is so critical and so so key you know the the other thing i do when i put in put it into practice really is um, asking questions. The greatest technique I found is by asking people what's on their hard drive or what's in their filing cabinet that no one else knows about. And you'll be amazed to to find what you learn. As a buddy of mine, he'd show me an innovation he was working on, and I thought oh, that was, that was not bad. So I just asked him. So what else you got? You know, what else have you got that no one knows about? And and then he proceeds. Looks at me, and then he proceeds to tell me the story of. Um, the time he was baking with his daughter is my buddy called Mike, Mike Salbert. Um, he's based in Chicago and he was baking with his daughter and they were, you know, cooking in the kitchen, using a mixer and they had to keep pouring the, the mixture in the side of the, the stand mixer. And his daughter said, why do we have to keep pouring it to the side? Why can't we just pour it through the top? And he stopped. So obvious, he, isn't it? When you he, think about it, he thought about it. And then he said, actually, why not? Fast forward to today, there's a product in the market called um, Ovation, which is a pour through the head stand mixer where it's got a hole at the top and you can pour through the middle and not have to stop or start or try and squeeze it into the side. And he has a military background and he was a, you know, flew on helicopters. So he, he took some inspiration from the gearing on, on from his military background and applied it to his design um, expertise and put it into product innovation. Anyway, long story short, all started with a question, the why question. And I just love that as the true background story to how that product got to market. Um, And so, you know, for me, it was really solving a hassle, a pain point that consumers, people really had on a day-to-day basis. And so three things you can do from that story. One, stop 
and ask questions and then actually listen to the answer that you get. When someone says something or shares something, then what are you going to do with it? Step two was then listening to the new and better info means making this a thing that the organization knows about. So for me, it was taking this idea, literally storming into my general manager's office and saying, hey, we have to do something with this, um, this idea that he has. And then step three is to mobilize the team, the resources, and shake things up to turn it into action and momentum. And so this became an initiative, even though it wasn't a focus area or and part of the innovation process, we actually designed it into our innovation pipeline. And as I said, over time, it took a few years to get there, but ultimately looking at what happened, the product actually made it to market when a lot of people said it couldn't be done, shouldn't be done, won't work, but it, we made it happen. So there's a bit of tenacity that's involved there. Yeah, I, li- I like that a lot. I, I like that challenging framework that, you know, asking a question why, even just leaving that sort of that, that dead space, waiting for the answer, I think, is a is an important part but but how how have you seen that built into a culture can you give us a couple of examples of how you make sure that that approach is applied that sort of questioning approach yeah i th- questioning approach it, it really is a true reflection of your culture and the challenge for you know for the listeners here is that some cultures asking questions is seen as insubordination it's seen as rude undermining authority who do you think you are and those cultures you kind of know when you're in them and they're tough to do this well and what we do know and there's lots of data and evidence to support that asking questions in in the right way will propel you to innovation and solutions you know einstein said if i had an hour to solve a problem and my life depended on it i'd use the first 55 minutes determining the proper questions to ask and so einstein's going to spend 55 minutes thinking about the right questions and five minutes going into action and the power of asking propelling questions are questions such as how might how might we and the response to that is we can if and here's a here's an inspiring example audi asked a propelling question which was how to win the le mans race, which is the 24-hour car race in France, how to win the Le Mans race if our car could go no faster than the others? Because a faster car equals a winning team, right? Yeah, so we got to make a faster car. The problem was with that, Audi is competing with teams with bigger budgets, longer history, more money in Le Mans, who are also trying to build the fastest car. So they can't build a faster car or they're competing against everyone building a fast. So they had to ask themselves a different question, a propelling question that more closely linked to their ambition to win the race with their constraints. So their constraints, the lack of resource to build a faster car, the answer was to make it more fuel efficient and for it to have less pit pit stops. And so their solution was the development of the first diesel racing car and that one Le Mans for three years in a row. So they really reframed the question, embraced their constraints and actually came up with changing the fuel, not even touching the car. And three years in a row, won the race. That to me is just brilliant because it was really driven by the crest, the question that they asked and then the solution of how how might we and force them and enable them to look beyond touching the the wings and you know the the suspension and all the aerodynamics and actually just simply changing the fuel yeah i like that i like that a lot i think sometimes as well you know it, either it takes someone new to come and have a look at a problem objectively sometimes there, there's a there's a mindset there as well there, there's people that just 
tend to be able to look at it from a, a lateral perspective as well, which is fantastic if you can find some of those in your team or bring them in, man. It's a, it's a great help. But sometimes I think, you, you know, you've just got to deal with what's in front of you as well. And uh, reminds me, early days in 2000, uh, setting up the email marketing business for EMAP and Bauer. And EMAP and Bauer for US uh, listeners is a uh, large-scale uh, magazine and media organization in the UK, and um, now radio, TV, events, as, as well as magazines. And and I was I was looking at the the um, CRM, the digital marketing, but there really wasn't any in those days. And and I was looking at how we could use HTML email um, to mm. actually drive. Um, communications with our customers either from an advertising perspective or a subscriptions perspective and it, and it seems absolutely crazy now because there was a uh, you know, 40 brands using this and but at the time it was seen as uh, as, as something brand new obviously email marketing is ubiquitous now but it was seen as brand right. new there was only a couple of brands doing that at the time and i was entrusted with responsibility of driving this forward fast forward me uh, about sort of a, another eight years in my career focus of the guardian was ensuring that that was seen as a not just buying a transaction not just buying a newspaper but seen as a life cycle choice and ethos that someone wanted to subscribe to but again trusted with bringing that vision to life and some of it i think is about being anticipating future needs, fusing it with marketing and technology to help mm-hmm. create a better experience for the consumers and and try not to overcomplicate it. And then the second bit is about being given trust. And, and quite often that's at an early age as well. Um, and, and maybe that is something where you've just got to take that opportunity when you can. But I think also as you move more senior in your career, you need to make sure that you're empowering some of those junior members to allow um, a chance to innovate and create as well, because yeah. you, you're never quite sure where it's going to come from. And something sometimes it just needs someone who's got a, a very different perspective or indeed a perspective on what the technology of the future is going to be for mm-hmm. um, sort of a, a segment of audience as well. So, you know, that's that's certainly a couple of things that come to mind there. Yeah, uh, you know, the, some of the things you talked about, uh, having a team across comp- company approach and short time scale, sounds a lot like design thinking. And design thinking elements are, are critical to doing this this stuff well. Design thinking is an approach, you know, creatively solving problems for and with people. And that's the key part. You're actually involving the people that the solutions for within the process. And it helps you accurately define the problem you're trying to solve before design, defining how to solve it. So again, this idea of asking the right questions, having the people it's for involved in the process and then going to solving it. And you have to embed humanity and empathy within that process. You have to have a collaborative you know, working approach and co-creation. And so it really does allow you to bring cross-functional and different people together and not just having a bunch of experts in their ivory tower or in their lab solving it, but you're really connecting it with people, involving them with a the solve, asking for their input and letting them lead elements of it. And, and, and you know, design thinking for me is one of the, the superpowers that a lot of organizations can tap into to succeed and, and win in this space. Yeah, I mean, one piece of advice for me, I mean, design thinking, I, I think is a subject we'll probably come back to again but it's 
be responsible for your own market research as well. Get get involved, run a focus group, run a user experience session, um, whatever it is, find a way to get involved and do it yourself. Um, you know, one of the biggest decisions and that I'm most proud of coming out of a guardian, a sort of a large scale organization with 50 people where I thought, right, going forward, I'm going to be facilitating my own research. I went straight into a gaming organization and I was facilitating the research, not just in this country, but in sort of China as well. Yeah. But, it, but it allowed us to get real-time impact mm -hmm. on what customers were doing right. and bring that to life for the game designers to help them improve what they were doing. However, it would not have worked if we were two or three steps removed. So, so making sure that you're being able to look in the whites of the eyes of your customers, not scaring them, yeah. but, but, but certainly <laughs> right. looking in the whites of their eyes, I, I think is hugely impactful. Um, Freeformers is actually another example of that. I, I mentioned that earlier on, that Freeformers is a is a UK startup done good. They set themselves out to um, try and establish the digital economy of the future. And, uh, and they most recently have been working on a program with Facebook to uh, digitally train uh, and provide digital skills under the Facebook banner for 300,000 people uh, across Europe, across six countries in Europe. Um, this was an initiative. We had, we had about sort of six or seven months to to get that off the ground. And we threw ourselves right. in the room to come up with a program. We had daily check-ins to try and make that work. We had time-limited uh, sort of creative sessions, because partly because we had to. We made sure it was a cross-collaborative team. Um, we made sure that actually we tried to learn from those mistakes. Right. But, but interestingly, although we achieved success with the program, I think a couple of our first iterations of it we, we were going down slightly a wrong path. And, and that's probably we didn't set the right parameters as well. We weren't mm -hmm. clear enough on the goal, clear enough with the restraints that we had to work within. Mm -hmm. So that idea of making sure you've got good collaborative tools like Slack, using Google Sheets, um, uh, making sure you've got the time-limited meetings, short bursts of activity with proper examples, right. ideation on small tasks, I think is 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 all a few tips that actually help bring a successful innovative culture um, to life. Yeah, Chris, when you were t telling your stories there, and I, I completely agree with the the principles and approaches you were sharing. And from my side, it reminded me of a time that I was doing an in home interview with a consumer, and you know, you go in there, you've got all the ideas and the product or the the you know the the campaign or creative that you want to get feedback on, and you want to test the tagline and the label and everything. So I walked into this lady's home, sat down, and one of the first things she said to me was. She's a breast cancer survivor. And listening to that, it suddenly became absolutely crystal clear that I naturally had to shift into a more empathetic mode and really be in the moment and respond in the right way to what I just heard. And it was really humbling because it was really the power of engaging with real people in their real lives and their real situation and being in that moment and not being that marketer who's just got their agenda and got their list of questions that they got to um, fly through. But just imagine what it was like to be 
that person and then how they engage with your products and categories and brands. That's it's really how it fits into their life and not about you making money and selling something. So doing it yourself and being allowed to go out into consumers' homes really means you have to have the empathy, you have to have the training, and you have to be in the right place to really engage with the human people and not just be that marketer or that researcher or that, you know, that analyst and only be focused on your corporate agenda. And so I fully agree that, you know, looking in the whites of people's eyes is such a powerful way to unlock the power of innovation. Yeah, well, you know, so the, it's been a, another whirlwind sort of 20 odd minutes, I think. But but Sam, you did such a good job last week and a week before. I thought, why don't you give us three key takeouts and reflections? You know what, Chris, I, I get I get this as a recurring pattern. So yes, again, I was listening. And so three takeouts from today's show. I th- number one is being solution focused. You know, innovation is as much about new solutions and not only new products. So think about how you solve for the consumer, the customer, the shopper, or the community in a better way than what already exists. Number two is solutions flow from asking great propelling questions. And there's a couple of resources out there. There's a beautiful constraint by um, a couple of authors out there. And there's also a book called um, A Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger that I love. And so those are resources you can use to be able to ask better questions. And then the third one is it doesn't need to be a long process. In fact, time constraints are your friend. Embrace time and resource constraints. They could lead to the biggest breakthrough because it forces you to be entrepreneurial and move really quickly. So be solution focused, ask propelling questions and live into a constrained time amount and actually leverage constraints as an advantage, not a deficit. Nice. I like that. I like that. Nothing else to add. I think that's great. So in terms of next week's episode, we're going to go big and talk about who we admire in the space and what we can learn from them. So the audience can bring in that to their marketing mix as well. I think we've got couple of inspirational sort of people certainly on my list, and I think it will be a, a great show. So I'm looking forward to it already, Sam. Yeah, I can't wait to record the next episode and put it out there. I'm really hoping that folks are finding value, but also keep on sending your input and feedback. We really appreciate your questions and your insight and responses, and we're definitely using them, and you'll probably hear them in future episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, that's it for now. So cheers, Sam. Thanks for your um, input today, and I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, take care, Chris. Until next time, have a good week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe, or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment, or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformed at gmail.com. Chris Lawson blogs at moreno.co.uk. Find more from Samuel Money at samuelmoney.com.